And let's try to plod on through the book of 1 Timothy. And boy, there is just so much here. And I'm going to try not to elongate this too much, but I do want us to cover uh, the passages and the words that are here. This is great instruction to the young preacher, Timothy, but also great instruction for us to live And as he is talking to Timothy, uh, and we have to remember, even though Timothy was considered young, and he said, let no man despise thy youth, uh, Timothy was not a 21-year-old graduate, recent graduate of the Bible college being put in this position. He was probably near 30 years old, maybe a few years even older than that. We're not 100% sure, but... uh, Timothy was not a novice. He was not a newly saved convert. You'll hear uh, stories sometimes of of preachers and they said, man, I got saved and then I got called to preach and I went to Bible college and they'd only been saved a year or something like that. And five years into their Christianity, they're pastoring a church and and uh, and you you may hear stories like that, but most of the time they've skipped over some parts of that story. Uh, they'll be 10, 12 years in the pastorate, and then good things really start happening in the church. You've got to grow in your Christianity. It takes time to grow up. There is just no substitute. For growth. What you do quickly, you can undo twice as fast. What you do right, you build something right, it takes twice as long to tear it down as it does to put it up. Amen? And so, this verse is one that's quoted often, and usually we'll have the primaries or the young teenagers quoting this verse, Let no man despise thy youth. Now, you see, Timothy was a Jewish man. His father was a Greek, but Timothy was raised in the Jewish faith by his mother and his grandmother. He knew the Bible. He studied the Scriptures And there is nothing more venerable or honorable than an old Jewish rabbi in Jewish culture. I mean, the old grand rebbe, as they would call him, has more clout and can say more and more respect than just about anything else. And and so some of these traditions that were in the Jewish faith were, were being carried over into the church. The only problem was there was no old, old, aged, sage Christians because Jesus had only ascended into heaven about 30 years when Paul wrote this book to Timothy. So there weren't these ones that had been raised in the faith and now they were 50 and 60 years walking with Jesus Uh, I'll tell you, I always love to be in the presence of older godly men. It just makes a difference. Uh, Friday night, had the privilege of attending a dinner in New Jersey honoring Brother Charlie Horton. 
And uh, what a privilege that was. Just to sit, and when it was all said and done, you know what they were talking about? Well, Brother Horton just lived the Bible. That's basically the summary of what everyone said. And that is what we want in our lives. Amen? Just to be obedient to the Bible. That's all there is to it. It says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. Do what is right. Said in word. Now that's what you say. Have you ever met somebody and they just really talk a good talk? And then maybe a salesman or somebody that does something, then they'll call you over. This is really a piece of joke, but i got to make my living somehow. I mean, have you ever been there with that? Uh, that really troubles me. I've been with some preachers sometime and they said, listen, I'm telling the truth. I'm not preaching now. And, and I'm just sitting here going, whoa, wait a minute. This is not what we're about. Be thou an example in word. You know, not everything you say needs to be as it would be said from the pulpit. But let me tell you, you ought to be careful. If it ought not be said in public, maybe it ought not be said in private either said, be thou an example in your word. He said, don't allow yourself to develop any of these habits that will take away from an example of what a believer ought to be in conversation. And of course, in modern English, we would say in word, in conversation, what is that? And also, before we finish word, uh, I want to uh, just touch on this. It was also in Timothy's preaching. Every once in a while, uh, one of my kids will say, Dad, we had this preacher in chapel today, and he said something that was wrong. I said, well, you know, sometimes preachers get excited and a little flustered, especially at chapel service and things, and they just might word something wrong. I put Moses on the ark and all kinds of things over the years. But sometimes we just get careless. Be thou an example in your word. Then it says in your conversation. Now, your conversation, you read the Old English, and, and this is one of those words that has changed its meaning over the years. In modern English, if I'm sitting here, we're in my office, we're having a conversation. That would be the proper way to say it. But if you'll look up this word in a proper English dictionary and study its etymology, its history, the word conversation used to mean your entire manner of life, your testimony. And, of course, how do you share your testimony today? Well, you tell people about it, amen? And yet, the easiest and the best way to share your testimony is to live it. Now, let's be careful. There's a group of people. This was happening uh, when I was just a young Christian growing up in my teenage years. It was called lifestyle evangelism. 
You just live the Christian life and people will ask you about Jesus. No, you just live the Christian life and people will think you're weird. You've got to tell them why you're weird. Amen? Uh, your conversation is your general manner of life. And he says, now, Timothy, don't let any man despise your youth. You're not the aged, white-bearded old Rebbe that has been uh, all these years in the study. And by the way, the aged old Rebbe's don't study the Scriptures. They study tradition. That was the difference between the Bible brand of Christianity and the traditional of Judaism, even in Jesus' day. And he said, Timothy, you be an example in the words you preach. If you're going to preach something, you better make sure that what you're preaching is right. You better make sure that you're not telling off-color jokes. I get a little nervous when I hear preachers telling jokes that are just a little on the hmm, pukey side. Uh, listen, we don't we don't need to laugh at things that are off color. We we don't. I remember one time I was in a national preachers meeting and this preacher started making all these jokes about. Uh, I'm trying to say this as gently as I could. Irregularity. And I mean, everybody was sitting there laughing and, oh, it was a good... No. We are not allowed the pulpit to be used in that way. We ought to be careful. And our life ought to match it up. By the way, have you ever met somebody that was so starchy and so religious that you could just see it a mile away? 99.9% of the time, there's something wrong with a person like that. If they need to show off their religiosity by acting religious, it's not real. What you want is somebody that's a human being. That's one of the things I love about my preacher, Brother Thompson. If you've ever met him, he is real. He knows how to cut up and have a good time. And uh, if he's... Uh, if he's at all healthy, he's going to insult you. But that's just Brother Thompson. I was talking with Brother Clayton in Oklahoma City, and he said, there is nobody I can get more angry at or love more than Roy Thompson. And uh, uh, you need to pray for a preacher. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I'll tell you what, in conversation, in your life, be real, in charity, we just ask the question in the outline. Go home and think about this. How does your love behave? We always talk about loving people. A lot of times when you, when you greet someone, say goodbye, love you, see you later. Well, how does your love behave? How do you demonstrate that love? What is going on? One of the things I loved about that meeting with, with Brother Horton, he was getting his flowers before his funeral. You know what I mean by that? So often, everybody stands around at the funeral. Oh, he was such a good guy. Never could tell that by the way you lived when he was still alive. You couldn't say anything. Uh, there was nothing too bad to say about that guy. But now that he's dead, oh, he's a saint. Listen, how does your charity behave right now? 
Paul told Timothy, I want you to be an example. I want believers. Timothy, if you're going to fulfill the office that God has for you, when people think about love, they're going to think about Timothy. Amen? And love is not just a warm, ushy-gushy feeling inside. I tell you what, it's hard to love another human being. I remember just the other day, Peter and I were talking, and I had to be father. And he said, he just called me up and said, I just, he said, I'm sorry, Dad, I, I reacted the wrong way. I said, yeah, I know. I said, son, sometimes I'm a little hard, and you're just like a little turtle, and you get in that shell, and he started laughing. I said, but you forget who you're talking to. I said, I'm going to get a hammer and get you out of that shell. I said, that's my job as a father. And I'm not giving it up, even though you're stronger than I am. I'm still not giving that up. And listen, if our love is going to be real, it's going to be real in the tough times as well as the good times. And real love doesn't let other people sin. Even if you have to get in their face. I mean, the world has this saying. I'm sure everybody's heard. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. Friends don't let friends get drunk. Amen? Friends don't go to the bar with their friends. Friends don't invite their friends to do wrong things. Oh, boy, I'll tell you, my blood boils. I hear these young men and women. Well, if you really love me. Oh, uh, anybody says that to one of my daughters. Uh, I'm sorry, God's going to have to have mercy on them because I'm not. That's not love. Friends provoke friends to obey God. That's what we're trying to do here at church. That's what we're trying to do as we live this life. It is tough to live life. Life is not easy. Life is full of sorrows. Life is full of obstacles that are just absolutely impossible. But life is full of God's working in possible situations. I like that song the kids got me for Father's Day. Help is on the way. Hold on a little longer. Help won't do you any good tomorrow if you give up today. I, I just love the words of that song. But that's what love does. He says, Timothy, you be an example. You show people how your love ought to behave. That's what charity is. It says, in spirit. Oh, we could, I could spend all night on this one. You have, you take a life where the Spirit of God has its way. That person just has a presence about them. You ever been around somebody that just... I mean, they walk in and the lights don't dim. 
the room just gets a little brighter. And it's not this hipped up (laughs) kind of stuff. I mean, it's just they're real. They have a spirit that just makes you want to serve God. I remember attending a service at Cleveland Baptist. They had a special preacher in. In fact, his name was uh, Brother Curtis Hudson. Some of you will see him talked about in the Sword of the Lord. He was a former editor and things. And I'll tell you what, he preached a sermon that day. and said, boy, I almost wish I could lose my salvation to get it again. It just sounds so good. I mean, and, and I'm glad you can't lose your salvation. I hope you understand my silly illustration here. But he had a spirit about him that just, I mean, it just encouraged you. You just wanted to serve the Lord in faith. You know, sometimes I'm wondering at this point in my life, if God hasn't let us do some absolutely ridiculous things, that we may be an example of faith. Just simple obedience to God's Word. Believe it or not, over the years, I've had people come to, to my office and sit down and say, now, Pastor, I just, I just don't believe you can raise a family in New York City. And I said, I'm sorry, you're talking to the wrong man. Uh, if you can't raise a family in New York City, why did God give us all these crazy little kids running around? Right, Esther? That's right. Listen. Be an example of faith. Faith is just believing God's Word. It's just being obedient. When somebody looks at you and says, Why do you have to be such a crazy Bible believer? Well, I'm trying to be an example of faith. Amen? Why do you have to be such a hard nose when it comes to the Bible? Uh, Faith. I don't want to compromise my faith. I don't want my relationship with God to be affected in a negative way so I can please another human being. That is the opposite of faith. Real faith is encouraging others to obey God's Word. He said, Timothy, you be an example of faith. And it's interesting how this builds In word, what you say, what you preach, in conversation, in your lifestyle, in charity, how your love behaves, in spirit. What people see when you're not talking. In faith. Then what's the last one? In purity. Tell you what, we could use an infusion of purity in our society today. Could we not? I mean, we live in a society that is just drenched with filth and uncleanness. And yet, most of us are willing for a certain level of that filth and uncleanness to swirl around us and get on us. And that doesn't mean you have to be completely separate from the world and never hear anybody say a bad word or any of this stuff. What it's talking about is what is going on in your life. I don't have to share in someone else's dirty story. I don't have to share in all of the things that go on. I don't have to read the newspaper. 
I don't have to do all of these things that are out there. I want to be an example of purity. I think it was Ted Monsor that said, one of the things that attracted me to this church, he said, your kids, they're just like the little house on the prairie. He said, I thought that was so weird. He said, they're so ignorant of all the things that are in the world. I said, we work hard to keep them ignorant of all that garbage. Amen? But that's what it's talking about. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if someone started talking about something at work and you say, boy, I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, you know what's going on tonight? Is, is tonight Oscars or gold? Is it? I don't even know. Uh, it's one of those big movie award things. And what's the buzz going to be? It's work tomorrow. Did you know so-and-so won the Oscar? No. You mean you don't care? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I really don't care who got rewarded for doing what dirty, filthy, rotten thing on television or movies. I was in church last night. Oh, yeah, really? In church on Sunday night? Uh, I'll see you later. Hey, purity. Purity. Be an example. This is what Paul was telling Timothy. And by the way, would any one of us do wrong by taking Paul's advice and leadership to Timothy? Amen? Be an example. Ask God to use your life to teach other people what Christianity is about. Right, Ruthann? Okay. That's not being an example. Now, let's look at verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. I love it. Paul says, listen, do I get there, Timothy? He said, I want to give, I want you to give Attendance. Now, you know what attendance means? It's not attention. It's being there. You have to take attendance every class. Now, don't you? Because Joe might show up for 8.30 class and not show up for 9.30, 10.30, 11.30, 12.30 and come back at 3.30 so that he gets, uh, everybody thinks he's been in school all day. I know none of you think that that's ever happened, but I remember in one of my classes, the professor was the president emeritus of the college. Now, what that means is you're too old and too tired and too worn out to be the real president. And so they let you retire, but they still let you teach in the classroom. And so they thought old Dr. Dow, being the teetering old man that he was at that time, and uh, and he did give that impression on certain occasions. He was infirm and he was an older man. And so half of them showed up to class and signed in for the whole group. 
And then the next class period, only half of them showed up and signed in for the other group. So every class period, it was alternating so the same seats would be filled and everybody would get an opportunity to miss half of the classes and still pull the grade. And I never will forget the smile on old Dr. Dow's face. He said, you boys thought you could get away with it. (laughs) I'm flunking you all. It was so much fun. Give attendance. Show up. Amen. And by the way, every one of us has done this. You can show up without showing up. I mean, you can be there. You can sleep with your eyes open if you work at it hard enough. Listen, the Bible says, Paul says, give attendance. Timothy, even though you reach this point of being an example of all of these things in your life, if you do not give attendance, you're going to lose it. What's the first thing on his list, everybody? And I don't have my reading schedule in my... I left it in my notebook on my desk. There we go. Brother Franz is waving his. Reading! Now, Timothy didn't have the book of Timothy to read. He had just gotten it from Paul. So what were they reading? How would you like to go to church and spend an hour reading out of the book of Isaiah? You would say, Pastor, that would be hard to listen to. Yeah. What if it was Ezekiel or Zechariah? Some of these are, how about... And they brought an offering of a golden spoon of ten drams filled with incense and a silver bowl of so many shekels weight. And how many of you would think that was church? Yet, we need to read Scripture. Give attendance to reading. That's why I like to read Scripture when I preach. Because it says we're to do that. We're to read it. We're to make it understandable. He says, to exhortation. I've had people over the years, and they said, Pastor, um, your church is really different. Don't you ever have a service without pointing your finger in our face and say, we've got to do something? And I said, No! Not quite that loud. I wanted to. What is exhortation? Hey, it's where the Bible says, you got to do this. Every time we get together, we need to be exhorted. Because everywhere we're going, we're exhorted to do wrong things. And doctrine. I just don't understand how a preacher could stand behind a pulpit and say, we don't worry about doctrine in our church. We just want to worship God. You can't worship God without doctrine. He's not going to listen to you. His son died on the cross because of doctrine. It's serious stuff. 
You will be judged between heaven and hell. That's doctrine, my friend. And one of the things, if you want to know what gets my blood boiling, uh, in this fellowship that I used to be a part of, they have what they call the 29 Articles of Faith. And I remember being in a meeting one time and a preacher stood up and he says, I believe the 29 Articles of Faith. And he was waving them from the pulpit and everybody was going, yay! But he had a rock band on the platform. That's doctrine. Taking your Bible and supplanting it with Rick Warren's book. That's doctrine. Doctrine is what we believe enough to live. And if you don't believe it enough to live it, it's not doctrine. Guess what? You'll never attain to true doctrine in this life. But you'd better try. Amen? You'd better work at it. You'd better give attendance. You better do more than just show up. Paul said, listen, till I come back, Timothy, you got three things to do. You've got to read the Bible, you've got to preach the Bible, and you've got to make sure people live the Bible. That is what it is about. And he says, neglect not the gift that is in thee, by, which was given to thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, this verse here, verse 14, is a verse that a lot of people want to make a lot of weird stuff out of. You see, it's got that word in there. Presbytery. Do you know what the presbytery is? How many of you have ever heard of the Presbyterian church? It's not talking about them. They're called the Presbyterian Church because it is a church that is ruled or governed by the Presbytery or the group of pastors. Every year, the Presbyterian Church, their pastors, senior pastors, get together and they have a big council and they vote on what their doctrine is going to be. And every time they've had a general meeting of the Presbytery, uh, the Presbyterian USA for the last uh, seven or eight years, there has been a nomination and a motion and a vote on whether homosexuals ought to be ordained into the ministry. Uh, I want to challenge you. That could not happen in Jesus' church. Jesus did not intend his church to be ruled by the preachers. You see, the Presbyterian church has changed its doctrine over the years. And when they change their doctrine, if you don't agree with it, well, you just got outvoted by the majority. And so if you're going to remain a Presbyterian, you're going to have to do what the majority voted. That's not Bible. The Bible is you follow what the Bible says. So what were the presbytery doing here with Timothy? Uh, the same thing that Baptist pastors have done since the days of Jesus Christ. 
when a young man is ready to enter the ministry, we have what we call an ordination service. And we get a group of preachers together. And they examine that man. They ask him questions. They want to look into his life and into his soul as much as God gives them ability to look. And then we get together and we lay our hands upon that person and we pray and we give our testimony that this man is prepared to enter the ministry. I'll tell you one of the greatest days of my life. The men I respect most in this life, Brother Thompson, Pastor Folger, Pastor Clayton, Brother Marshall, they all got around and they put their hands on me and they prayed and they said, we commend this man to the ministry. That's what happened with Timothy. It's amazing how far the commentaries have to go to try to say that that wasn't a simple, old-fashioned Bible ordination council. Do you see it in there? The laying on the hands of the preachers. That's simply what it was what it's being said. That's, that's the presbytery. It's plural of presbyter. It's the preachers. That's all it was. They had prophecy. They said, we expect great things out of you. You know what? We still do that when we have an ordination council today. We don't ordain men and expect them to fail. We ordain men and we expect them to be serious and accomplish things in the service of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And Paul's saying, listen, Timothy, you got a gift. You had a group of men that got around you and they prayed for you and they ordained you into the ministry. And don't you ever forget that you have an honor and a duty to those men. I carry a miniature copy of my ordination in my wallet everywhere I go. It's my ID as a clergy. I mean, it's official. It says so right on the front. I printed it right there in the office. Official clergy ID. But what makes it official is there's a copy of my ordination on the back of it. If anybody wants to see my credentials, I'll just show it to them. This is it. But that's just a letter from a church. That's all you get. That is the highest honor. I I hope one of these days to be able to come and stand before you and say, I've earned my degree and I'm going to go get it. But it won't be anything compared to my ordination. That's the highest degree I will ever hold. Now, here's what Paul tells him about it. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly unto them, holy to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. I'll tell you what, I want to know more about the Bible today than I did last year. I want to study more. I want to be a better preacher this coming year than I was in last year. I want you to pray for, with me about that. It, it's going to take a lot of work. But... I want to be a better preacher. Why? Because I promised that group of preachers back in 1989 that that's what I was going to do with my life. That's why I'm not a Christian businessman. That's why we're not running a daycare. That's why we don't have a Christian school. It's not that these things are bad, but if God wants us to do them, he's going to have to get somebody else in here to run it. I've got too much to do right now. 
And I desperately want to get out of the construction business. Pray for me. But I'll tell you what, if, we weren't, if I weren't in the construction business, our church couldn't afford to operate. So, guess what? The gospel goes forward while we drive nails and screws and sand floors and all of these things. It's for the furtherance of the ministry. Now, last verse. Take heed unto thyself. To watch your own life and unto the doctrine. Paul comes back to doctrine so many times in this book. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself. Now, did that mean Timothy wasn't sure about his salvation? And if he was paying attention to the doctrine, he might someday go to heaven? You'd believe that listening to some preachers. No. What's he saving himself from? Neglecting the gift that is in him at his ordination. What's he saving himself from? Tarnishing the gospel of God, not being the example that Paul told him he must be if he was going to be a believer. He said, you're going to save yourself from a bad testimony. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to make other people want to live for God too. You're going to save yourself and you're going to save them that hear thee. Tell you what, if you're not living for God, I want you to be miserable in this church till you get right. Yes, amen. Even Joey knows that. Now, let's give, cannot upstage a little boy. I'll tell you what, if you want to see some of the cutest pictures you've ever seen, I'll show you after church. Uh, you will not believe how cute those pictures. I put my reading glasses on Joey and gave him a Bible, and he looks just like a preacher. I mean, it is. You're laughing now because you can picture it, but you, when you see it, you're just gonna, you're just gonna crack up. I mean, it is hilarious. But I'll tell you what. He's not quite two yet, but that's what I want him doing with his life. That's what we need to get a hold of. That's why Paul was writing Timothy. Take heed to the doctrine. Take heed to thyself. Because guess what you're going to do? You're going to save yourself and them that hear thee. Because when we stand before God, there's only one thing that's going to count. Only one question is going to be asked. What have you done with Christ? Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask that you would help us. We know these words were directed to this preacher, this young man named Timothy, who was given such incredible responsibility by the Apostle Paul. And we know that this was under the direction of the Holy Spirit that Paul would pen these words, that we may read them. Lord, we ask that you would encourage us to be an example. Not just be willing to meet the standards. Not be willing to try to, to be an average Christian, but to be an example. To do more than just show up. To give true attendance to the reading, to the exhortation, to the doctrine. Lord, that we could encourage others to serve you with our lives. We ask you to do your will. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, you can just slip out of your seat and come and pray.